Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tai Chi Notebook Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Barlow. Today's episode is an interview with my old friend, Professor Paul Bowman of Cardiff University, who is something of a mover and shaker in the academic field of martial arts studies. Paul has written several academic books on martial arts, including Martial Arts Mythologies, The Invention of Martial Arts, and Theorising Bruce Lee. He also co-edits the Martial Arts Studies Journal for the Martial Arts Studies Research Network. Years ago, I taught Paul Tai Chi, and now we both do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the same organisation. So this is quite an informal chat. We talk about what Paul's been up to since he last appeared on my podcast, his upcoming book on self-defence, and his rather unhealthy obsession with the internet personality, Master Wong. So, let's head over to a battered old Ford Focus outside a Jiu-Jitsu Academy somewhere in Wiltshire, England. Okay, hello Paul Bowman, uh, how are you? Oh Graham, <laughs> I'm good. I'm alright, Monday morning. Monday morning, we're in Ready? the mobile yep. recording studio. <laughs> On the road show. <laughs> also known as my car. So this is weird. I've never done. This is a bit like that carpool thing with um, yeah. it's an American thing. <laughs> yeah, carpool karaoke. Carpool karaoke. Yeah. So later on, we'll be singing um, your favourite Nine Inch Nails songs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're going to tell them where we are, or well, outside the illustrious location that is Gracie Baja Melksham, yeah. where we're going to go and do some jiu-jitsu later on. Um, apparently, I'm a mystery. You're the mystery. A mystery <laughs> black belt guest. <laughs> As Antonio has said. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun. I'd love to... Lim- if I can meet this mystery guest, that'll be great. Yeah. The mystery black belt. That mystery black belt. Going to teach you some weird stuff you'll never use. How about that? That's... that's hopefully I never need to use any of it, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to be fully consensual strangulation. Well, maybe, maybe some sort of competition scenario, yeah. maybe. Have, Have you ever done. competed? Um, I was going to compete, but then... My wife informed me that she recently redone our home insurance and life insurance, and one of the specific questions was, "What does he do?" and uh, and she ticked Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and they actually gave us a phone call and said, uh, you, you, "They say your husband does jiu-jitsu. Um, is, does he compete?" And she said, "No." Ah. So I actually didn't. <laughs> but I think probably what they meant was, "Does he pro- compete professionally?" But anyway, she got spooked and said, "You can't. We can't just have had this conversation and you go off and compete." How do they even know, know. what it is? It's just in. It's. Have you ever applied for insurance? Have you got insurance for? I've never had insurance for anything. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I applied for insurance to to teach Tai Chi, and then I also wanted to teach Eskrima, and the insurance just went through the roof for Eskrima. They have a big group of things, yeah. Yeah. And Brazilian Jiu Jitsu was in there with it. See, Skydiving, surfing, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu climbing. I've got Jiu-Jitsu teaching insurance, and it's not that bad at all. Right, okay. It's on the same level as Tai Chi. Yeah, wow. Which is weird. Different makes no sense. But if you if you touch a stick <laughs> yeah. or a sword, yeah. and you forget it, you know, you're not covered. Yeah. So I had to lie and say that I wasn't teaching a screamer. <laughs> <laughs> you're teaching yoga with sticks. <laughs> so, fitness. Stick fitness. <laughs> stick fit. Stick aside. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, so we'll be training later on, but now we're talking about, um, I don't know, everything that happened since we last talked. Yeah, as I was listening to the episode three of your podcast. Yeah, one of <laughs> and the finest episodes. There was, there was one of the early episodes when energy levels were high. Oh, um, is that about the cost of living crisis? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, um, it, it, it's been, so a lot of the things I said I wasn't going to do, 
in that episode I went on to do. Right. So there's at one point I we were we were laughing at the David Carradine exercise stick, the kung fu stick. Can you remember the tai chi yeah, yeah, stick yeah, or whatever? Yeah. And I, I brought up the example of parallettes and said, I, I'm not going to buy these things because they'll just end up being two more pieces of crap in my shed. So a couple of months ago, I ended up <laughs> buying some parallettes and they are now pieces of crap in my shed. Um, I remember you posting about those. These are amazing. Yeah. And then obviously you're using them for a week. Well, no, they're amazing. But then I, I also bought some um, gymnastic rings. So I, I hang the two gymnastic rings from a tree. And now that's amazing. Oh, is it? That, oh, yeah, that's amazing. Well, I was watching that yesterday in the European Athletics Championships. It did look amazing, and yeah. I thought, there's no way I could do that. No, there's no way. I, I look at them and go, well, I'm quite pleased that I can do a couple of dips on them now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never mind inverted crucifixes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the thing was, I had, a, I had a back injury, and nothing was touching it. I couldn't work out what to do. And you know on, on the parallel you do a kind of thing called a tucked planche, which is a bit like you kind of crunch oh, up. Obviously I know what that is. Yeah, yes. obviously. But it's you basically kind of crunching your back up and it's very much like when you are doing a hip escape, when you're shrimping yeah. out, it's that. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I can strengthen that, then that'll be... So I've been working on that, essentially. Oh, right. And you'll be amazed at my hip escapes in the yeah, next hour and a half. They're phenomenal. We'll be springing across the mat like a, like, yeah. a, like a little rabbit. Yeah, but then I mean, the the from my perspective, the, the the big news is that I'm on I'm on sabbatical, which is a thing that lucky academics oh, get sometimes where holiday. you get a paid. <laughs> but you do actually have to produce something, but it it is phenomenal. Yeah, to but be. Come on, we all know you do it in the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Write this long essay in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I'm gonna I'm writing a book, um, another book. I like writing books. Oh yeah. Um, and all the things... That is, it, we, is it about Bruce Lee? Uh, there is going no, to be a no, chapter... No, not another one. No, I know. I didn't want to do it, but... Um, they're making me do it. They're, they're making me do it, essentially. Um, but mainly not Bruce Lee. And mainly the Bruce Lee is about Quentin Tarantino. It's about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the representation of Bruce Lee oh, in that. Because it upset loads of people, but it kind of shouldn't have, I think. Um... Because it's just a movie. It's just a film. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so, it, yes, admittedly, uh, I am writing a little bit about Bruce Lee, but... Um, but you're trying, to, you're trying to give it up. <laughs> I keep trying to quit, yeah. So I tried to quit Tai Chi, um, and then I just... It's like you kind of try and break off from a long-term relationship or something, and you just think, oh, I miss this, but it's, it's who I am. So I stopped doing Tai Chi in May because I was really busy and mm. I just thought, oh, let's just see what happens if I stop doing it. And then I, again, just started to really miss I've, it and I've cracked and I've gone back to Tai Chi again, even though I don't know why. Yeah. I exactly. no longer know why. We're all on the same boat there. I just can't <laughs> stop. You can't stop doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I mean, I, I tell myself it, it, it's doing me good. Yeah. Um, I don't know, recovering from stresses and strains of... Well, you do it in the morning, don't you? You try and do a bit. I try and do it in the morning, but if I can't, sometimes I teach in the morning. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu, so there's very little time to do Tai Chi. I maybe get one rep of the form if I'm lucky. Yeah. I do it in the evening then. Um, yeah. But I've, I, I, went, I just went on holiday um, for a week and I, was, I did more than usual because I had more free time. Yeah. And I just really got into it again. I thought, oh, this is just great. I must do this every day. Yeah, and I, this is this is it for the rest of my life yeah. now. Yeah, and then and then you know you wake up and you've got to go to work and yeah, got to get the kids to school and all that kind of stuff gets in the way, doesn't it? Yeah, 
I mean, I, I, I stopped because I just could not, I could no longer think of a single reason why I was doing it. But it, but then I think that when you have that break from it and you realise how it makes you feel mm. in the doing and, and, and afterwards as well, and you can't necessarily put that into words because it's about feeling, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot, especially with the with the Badwan Jin and the standing Qigong. It does a lot for for your just spine and sense of it, it kind of de decompresses you a lot. Probably literally decompresses you, yeah. as, well as metaphorically. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, recently I, I wrote a blog post about this the other day. I injured my SI joint mm. doing jujitsu. I mean, basically, someone just put their foot on my hip and pulled my collar and pushed my hip so hard it actually it put it out yeah you can't you can't dislocate it um but you can put it you can put it into a bad position which you can't get out of yeah um and which one was it was the draw well the draw in the bow it it was the the punching and glaring forward oh yeah that one where you keep your pelvis level but you're punching forward one on forward one on back and there's a twist yeah while you try and keep your pelvis level that one just popped it back in but it it probably only works i'd had a sports massage Right. earlier that day yeah. where they'd relaxed all the muscles off so that it could go back in because yeah. as soon as it goes out everything tightens because it has to overcompensate I think that's a phenomenal stretch the one that looks like a double punch yeah looks like a karate or taekwondo you see but some, it's not you it's, see some people do it and they do it like a punch yeah, like they, it's they punch not. it's all about the elbow stretching back yes. you've got to push with those th- counter rotation th- the the Badwan Jin stretches, it's like, you know, if, if you do yoga, you stretch and you relax in the stretch and you yeah. just relax. But in these, you've really got to stretch yeah. and then you relax yeah. when you finished. And so, like, I think that, you know, in like the, the Taekwondo or Karate walking stance, that like the long stance, yeah. Yeah. if you do a reverse punch in that, it's like that you get the same sort of stretch feeling. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's one of those things that, I will sometimes do that position, not because I believe that that's the right way to throw a punch, but be precisely for that kind of lower back. Yeah. You keep your hips square and you're stretching your upper body around like a corkscrew. Just when I do it in the morning, I normally hear a click or two, yeah. it, like around the sort of hips and lower back area. Um, so it's, it's clearly doing something. So yeah. those are good. Well, those, those the, I often would think, well, those stretches are, they're not very profound stretches so you think you should be doing something more like yoga but actually they're basic fundamental stretches mm. and they're movements that if you stop doing them you'll stop being able to do them yeah. and, and, and you notice it in your, ne- your yeah. neck you, you feel like you you know at the end of the day where you feel like you've you've lost like two inches of height because <laughs> you've been crowned down all day yeah. you do badwan jin and you kind of get it back yeah and then do yoga and <laughs> yoga's better yeah i think so yeah, I think so. Well, that's that's the thing is everything I do is is good for something. Like the Badwan Jin is good for that. Yoga is good for other things. There's lots of strength stuff in yoga that I don't yeah. think you get from Badwan Jin because you're not having to support your weight on yeah. your hands, um, and that stuff is really valuable for jiu-jitsu as well. So I, I'd like to say there's one answer to everything, but I, I think the answer <laughs> is a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, I mean, I, 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 I'm a classic case of an obsessive, and I'll, I'll, I'll tweak something or I'll change something and go, right, this is it <laughs> for the rest of my life. I'm going to do this routine every, and then six months later, yeah, I'm doing completely different stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can't believe anything you say, basically, is what, you, <laughs> what you're saying. No, it's, don't, it's don't like I'm like the I Ching. Think. It's just like you know, what mysterious. Are, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm mysterious. You like the Tao. Yeah, I'm eternally changing. Dark and mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. So what do, what, do you want to do, um, 
you said we definitely need to talk about some urgent stuff. Was it Bruce Lee or? <laughs> well, we had. Well, you you appeared on Bruce Lee's official social media channel. Yeah. Last week, didn't oh, you? It's normal for me. It's normal. It happens all the time. <laughs> but you just discovered yourself, which is quite funny. I thought that. Well, what I was doing was I was searching. So I I was right. This is the thing I was writing about. Um, I was writing about Bruce Lee, but I was really writing about Quentin Tarantino, and I was really writing about the relationship between watching films and the effect that that has on you. We talked about it last time. Mm. Um, and the the one technique that appears in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Bruce Lee's jumping sidekick. He jumps in and kicks the Brad Pitt character. Yeah. Um, and that's the, because that's the signature stereotypical Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee technique. So I was I was trying I was doing an analysis of the question of the relationship between films and reality. And I was thinking, I'm sure I've written about this before. Mm. And so I just Googled, uh, I wrote, I Googled something like Bowman, Bruce Lee, sidekick, because then I might get a reference mm. and popped up and it's the, the, the official Bruce Lee social media stuff and website and Facebook group. They'd, they'd, they'd obviously been scraping around for rent a quote. Yeah. And they'd pulled something, I don't even know where I said it. Some I don't know a podcast or it might have been in that I am Bruce Lee film or something, and yeah. and I was like oh okay that's that's nice yeah it's nice so you're an authority I'm an authority on having ever different opinions on Bruce Lee yeah no no consistency <laughs> but an authority consistently inconsistent yeah well Bruce Lee was all about that I watched She Hulk I know you don't like the Marvel stuff no but I I love it I watched She Hulk episode one the other day. And it finishes with the Bruce Lee classic sidekick delivered in exactly the Bruce Lee way. Um, with Jamelia Jamil's okay. character, who, who inexplicably turns up and starts destroying a courtroom. No explanation. Just, oh, she well, just turns up yeah. and goes crazy. And then <clears throat> She-Hulk has to turn into She-Hulk to defend Does she get really the courtroom. Angry? No, because she, she's a woman, uh-huh. she can control her anger, Paul. Can she? Unlike men. <laughs> that was the message I, I got from She-Hulk. Was that, that sounds um, really progressive. Women are angry all the time and okay. therefore have to... Or, or they're, they're continually man, <laughs> mansplained to and therefore have to And they've had to it. suck it up their they've entire life. They've had to suck it up their entire life. So she's okay. got complete control about turning into Hulk or not. Okay. Whereas Bruce is just like a yeah. helpless baby. When he gets angry, he just throws a tantrum. So is it the jumping sidekick or is it the stock it's still It's jumping sidekick? through the air and it's obviously fake because she holds the, the sidekick position and then her whole body just kind of moves sideways. Yes, um, in exactly the way that it doesn't happen. In exactly the way, <laughs> in exactly what would happen if you posed in the position and yeah. then were moved. Someone sideways. moved a camera along past yeah. you, yeah. Or you were just on wires and just they they just moved everything to the left yeah. slightly. This is why I can't stand CGI. I can't stand Marvel because they kind of they ruined everything. They they take what's good from action films, from martial arts film, and they just make it ridiculous. So, if you watch. Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, that's not a good example. Yeah, but no, but listen. So because <laughs> that when, is ridiculous. Yeah, but 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 hear me out. So if you the first time that Wen Wu meets um, the woman he would ultimately marry at the at the entrance of like Ta Lo, right? You, mm. So so Wen Wu was this like kind of Fu Manchu type nasty character, and he yeah. wants, and he goes there and he meets her, the guard, the person guarding the gate, and he has this fight with her. The fight scene, and indeed Tony uh, Leung himself have been ripped from the Wong Kar Wai film, The Grandmaster, which came out in about 2007. Yeah. And in The Grandmaster, it's, it's Ip Man fighting Gong Er in this brothel scene at the start, with yeah, this beautiful, yeah. incredibly... Oh, I mean, just... Yes, it's beautiful. It's just staggeringly beautiful. 
And the fight in the in the Wong Kar Wai film is a lesson. It's about martial arts. It's yes. about two two masters learning each other. So yeah. halfway through, they change it's like styles. A conversation, isn't it? And it's also like a, it's like a, it's a love story as well. And then Marvel went, oh, that's a good idea. Let's use him again, and let's make him do uh, the fight, the same fight again. Yeah. But it's just like. I don't know, nursery school stuff. It's like learning your ABCs, where the first one was teaching you some complex philosophy and like high aesthetics. This one's just like, oh, what? So she's pulling her foot round behind her because it's about yin and yang. Are you saying it? there's so not she... enough depth in a kids' film for you? <laughs> I think it's not. It's so that you've you've nailed it there. It's not the film. It's when I, when grown ups tell me it's good, and they've ruined martial arts films. <laughs> it's like something you're meant to grow out of. Well, I just, no, I, I, just... I, I would counter with the big fight at the end of Endgame, where I don't know if you've watched Ev- that. No, my daughter told me enough to make me not want to watch it. Oh, well, anyway, the, the big bad is there, yeah. Thanos, and he's fighting all these different heroes, kind of all at once. Hmm. They t- like, and then there's Thor, there's Captain America, and. Captain Marvel, I think of the the main three that really can stand up to him on the same sort of level, and they're dishing it out. But it's very clever in the way that they know exactly what level each person's superpower is, and you can upgrade it with different weapons, you see. Like, Thor's hammer goes to Captain America, and it's meant to be only be able to be picked up by someone who's worthy, and Captain America can pick it up. And then once Captain has the hammer, his fighting level and ability to do damage to Thanos goes up proportionally exactly the right amount and it's just yeah. a, there is a depth to these things well there's yes i get that but when it's on the screen and i get the comic books and i get all of that but um that's that's what i don't like about action films and fantasy films like that where so if 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 we adhere to some standards of realism so you've got like a classic martial arts film duel going on or even fighting multiple opponents You've got punches, you've got kicks, you've got weapons, you've got throwing people around. But in these, it's like blasts of light. Like, and I can't, I don't know if, if like Doctor Strange firing out a blast of light. I don't, is that, is that like being punched? Yeah, is it like being tickled? What is no, like, what is no it like realism being? in the Grandmaster either? I mean, that that fight they have where they do the intricate conversation and yeah. um, all the levels to it. It's but it's hyper real. Oh, that's it's different. Hyper, then. Well, it, no, it's it is different because <laughs> it's not sci-fi. It's it's to such a degree of perfection. So the thing that makes the film look weird is that all of the moves are technically perfect in exactly the way that they wouldn't be in real life. Yeah. It's a bit like they're like perfect katas, perfect taolu or something like that. It's like, yeah, but fights don't look like that. Yes, but, you know, there's that kind yeah, of paradox that we inhabit all the, the time. what about the Crouching Tiger stuff where they're flying through the air? And I mean, that's that's not hyper-real. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's uh, from the Wuxia tradition. Yes. Which it, it's... It's that was just a kind of. But there's bits in there's bits in the Grandmaster that are not hyper real. They are actually flying, or they walk on um, tabletops in ways that are. You couldn't say it was perfect because it's impossible. Yeah. You couldn't perfectly do this. But they're not firing blasts of light at each other. Well, yeah, but they they're not firing blasts of light. But they might as well be. Is is my <laughs> point? Because if you can if you can balance on a like a a single cup on a table. Yeah. Then. Why not fire blast light at each other? Because that's equally improbable. Um, I've, well, I've seen some pretty impressive stuff on, on YouTube. They've, they've People just, standing on all sorts of things. They've just fooled you that these side. things are possible. No, no, I don't think... I've, <laughs> I, that's not quite what I'm saying. So, like, let me give you another example. So, a new Netflix film called Carter, and it's like South Korean, North Korean, American spy. And it's, it's kind of inspired by all of those... 
um, great 21st century um, martial arts films. It's got a bit of right. everything in there. It's got a bit of all of the all of the crazy ones. But it's just to me, it's it's way too silly, and it does try. It's it's too much CGI. So like, I watched that and disliked it, and I had to go and watch uh, a film last night, the kind of as an antidote to it to take the vaccine. And it was the there's an American prison film called Shot Caller on Netflix. It's a prison movie right. where everyone like shanking each other and all this sort of like hideous, graphic, realistic violence. And I think that the kind of films that I like always have that stake in it's what this. You like hideous graphic you, violence. Is I, I don't like hideous <laughs> graphic violence. Well, it sounds that like way to me. So there's there's a there's a scene at the very start of Carter where he kind of like magically jumps from one building to another and, and he's in this kind of South Korean bathhouse, like Japanese style bathhouse. And it's just like a bloodbath. He's got one of those those curvy knives that they right. use in yeah, Filipino yeah. martial yeah. arts. And and he's killing everyone with it. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's like kind of weird video game but knife that's, porn. Isn't that the same as the raid which you really loved? Yes. No it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no but yes but no. Because the raid wasn't CGI. Yeah but it was still endlessly ridiculously Murderous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because it was a bit. It had that. It had a grittiness, and and it was like people behaved that they would in this universe, as opposed to the. Way, I mean, the levels of skill are are yeah, preposterous. But, but the 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 Marvel Cinematic Universe. But, but they right? still behave within the the laws of their particular powers. It's not yeah. just completely random. Maybe I haven't got enough uh, imagination. Well, you've got a blue belt since we talked last. I have. Though, you? So you're, I did. You're, you're like qualified now. <laughs> I think there was a clerical error. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's it's nice. I never thought it would happen. I just thought, no, it's never. There's always going to be some reason why I won't. But he tricked us, and he gave me he gave me two extra white stripes, uh, two extra stripes, and I think, oh, this is good. This is good. I like this. Yeah. This is this feels right. Yeah. I'm a four stripe. This white feels belt. like this where good. I am. And yeah. then he then he said, actually, no, I was only joking. Then give me the. That's going to take them off me. Oh, he's, he's <laughs> such a kidder, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was great. It's a good day. It didn't. It. It felt like. It felt to me like I got it a bit early compared to everyone else who got it, and it, that's something I have to grow into. To be honest, it feels like every belt I've it. got, I felt it was too early. And then about halfway, like when you're about three stripes in, you think, mm. oh, I'm about ready for it now. <laughs> I deserve this colour now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just a natural feeling. But I remember in the run-up to it, I was you were saying that I, he was watching me rolling, or I'd roll with him, and he was saying things like, I like what you're doing, it's good, you're doing well, I like what you're doing. But I was losing. Like, I wasn't, like, kicking people's asses. I was just... But then I think that, Someone, I think it might have been a professor. Someone said, "Like, really, blue belt is about surviving. It's where you just don't, you're not tapping because yeah. you're not letting people tap you. Hmm. So you survive for much longer. It's not about trying to destroy people, is it? It's, it, yeah. it's, it's And also, I mean, if you're doing it right, that's the important thing. I think not where you're winning. Yeah. Well, that's good because I'm not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are there are loads of people who are winning by just going. Yeah, crazy, be maniacs, you know. Yeah, and if you if you promote those people to blue belt, it's, it's too early. Yeah, you know they need they need to be doing like a modicum of good. It is a funny they? thing, isn't it, when you think about the criteria for promotion in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu? Because 
in other martial arts styles, you do a grading and you pass a test. Mm. So there's a, actually for the blue belt test, if there were a blue belt test, Some a lot of these, a lot of these people who come in from the CrossFit over there or the rugby over there, these athletes who are like you know 23 years old, six foot odd, they can do all this stuff. They could probably tap loads of other blue belts in there, mm. but they won't get their blue belt because they haven't served their time. You've got to serve your time. Yeah. You've got to show that you're going to turn up. You're yeah. going to learn. You, you actually know all the techniques. You know, it's it's a very it's a mixture of. It's not just subjective. It's not like favoritism or anything. But it's it's like you have to be committed to this practice in a way yeah. that um, you know that you, lots of people could walk in and and kick your ass if you're a white belt or whatever. But <clears throat> you have to do that time. Um, I was thinking that because so when I um, teach academic stuff, when I'm teaching at university, you'll do a lecture on something that week, and then you'll have seminars. So sometimes I have to teach three, sometimes four seminars in a row. Mm. So these are all different students, all who want effectively the same lesson. Mm. Now that can become quite demanding because because you start to go a bit mad and go, "Have I said this? Yeah. Did I dream that? Yeah. Have I already said this in this lesson?" Or so what? What I've my approach to that is. I do a seminar, and I'll, the first seminar is to talk about whatever, structure, blah, 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 blah. And then when the next group in, I don't try and... I used to try and repeat that lesson. Mm. But what I do now is I just start exactly where I finished. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, then, and then you'll find that you go through the same group of things again. Yeah. And then... So sometimes they get different lessons. But if I try and repeat it, it's like, so, you know, I've been... I've, I've just proved that like psychoanalysis is the best approach to studying something and then they'll come in and say well psychoanalysis is the best and then I end up like with a completely different paradigm that yeah, you yeah. might use um, but we've covered the same sort of ground I just I think that I would I, I would worry about moving into teaching martial arts again because it's it flips in states from from being something that you go for fun and you turn up and go show me some stuff then to actually the pressure of A having to turn yeah. up and B Having to have that enthusiasm and, you know, teach people stuff that you might not want to teach them. Yeah, it's a hassle. Like, I have to... Because some teachers just turn up and go, right, what we, what, look, go look on the board, what are we yeah, doing today? Right, we're that, doing yeah. this. And then just make up something. Yeah. Like, um, I don't like that approach. I like to have some plan of what I'm going to teach before I teach it. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes that plan goes out the window when you... It depends who's in the room and... Um, you're like, oh, it's you, and oh, you were stuck with this last week. Maybe we'll yeah. just do that now. Yeah. Uh, this thing, you know. Um, or I, I was rolling with you last week, and this happened. Like, and you should have done this, this, and this, and you mm. didn't. Let, let's explain why that went wrong. Like, we'll break it down. Mm. You know, that happens a lot. Um, but I do like to... It, it is a hassle. It's almost like having to do your prep before the night before. Well, do you still go to other people's seminars? Or do you just... I mean, is do you, do you is your training is that the same as your teaching, or do you also? Oh, do... I mean, no. I occasionally drop into normal classes, and then I do find myself wait just waiting to get to the rolling because because <laughs> you know the stuff already. Yeah, um... everyone's waiting to get to rolling though, aren't they? <laughs> They're like, right, stand, line up again. You're like, are we rolling yet? When are we going to roll? Yeah, <laughs> let's roll. So you so you teach your three morning classes a week, and then maybe do one or two. Maybe do one or two like. Lunch times or evenings, if I can fit them yeah. in. Are you um, gonna, have you got any competition plans? Titles that you're going to chase? No, I, I thought the whole. I mean, competing is obviously. It, it makes you better. There's, 
undoubtedly it does and it makes you focus on something and just get very good hmm. but it's also a massive money-making scheme for whoever's running these competitions hmm. and I just don't have the time or the, or the energy to spend five hours waiting for my match yeah um, after paying yeah, after paying for your hotel and your travel six, and, 60 yeah. quid for your ticket yeah like then you, you've got to travel there yeah. maybe you go there the same day because you don't want a hotel to save yeah. money so it's three hours travel there yeah. and, then, and then you have a five minute match and you go home it's like yeah. it, it just seems bonkers to me yeah. I, don't, I don't get it yeah my daughter's competing she, she, she's I mean she's young and foolish enough to think that that's a really good thing to want to do but mm. and she wants to compete at anything she, whatever she does she, ha- she wants it to be a competition she's like as a child she would never just play a game it was like let's see if I can beat you somehow do it right. okay I'll do that so she's going to compete and I think that she'll be she'll be good and I'll go with her and I'll I could enter as well but I think for this first one I'll give her my full attention because I wouldn't want her worrying about like where is the competition and, <laughs> and where are the toilets and where you know. Do you know I think I think doing a few is good. I did yeah. a few, and it, it it you'll find it it is it's completely unlike rolling, because the, there's all the pressure, there's all the people watching, um, it's and then the the match itself is different because it's tough to go hard and fast you know, because yeah. um, you have to win. Oh, some food delivery turning up. Got an ice cream. That's not even an ice cream van, no, is it? No, it's uh, sandwiches, I think. Oh, slightly off tune as well. That's nice. Is that your new theme music? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. That's a very Tai Chi podcast, isn't it? Yeah, I'll ditch tai my Chi I'll, notebook. I'll ditch my music and have that instead. Mm. <clears throat> it's a pie man, isn't it? It's a man selling pies. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, We're not even pie. in the north. <laughs> How is this possible? I'm up for a pie. But um, going back to your <coughs> um, your next book, what, so what's it called? The next book. Are we allowed to know what it's called? Well, I, 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 need, I always work to a title. I need the title first. And at the minute, the title that's sitting there making sense to me is the main title is going to be Reorienting Violence. And <laughs> I would call it Reorientating Violence, but I understand that Americans don't like that formulation of the, of the, right. the, uh, the word. They, 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 they don't like word like they don't like reorientate they would just use reorient right. so and it's also got the word orient in it so the subtitle ah, will be clever. the subtitle is self-defense training orientalism and the sublime so the, all the, the different chapters there's so the last time we talked i was saying i'd got i had these few different research projects on the go and then the pandemic kind of paused them all mm. but i'm trying to bring them all back together so i've done loads of research on self-defense not on like what's the best kind of self-defense, but how has the discourse of self-defense changed? Yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd been looking through the history of self-defense books and I was focusing mainly on the ones published in, in England specifically, not Britain, but England specifically, because um, in England in the 17th century, 1604, that's when you got the first successful like, vindication of someone's actions on the basis of self-defense. Okay. That's where you get the phrase, an Englishman's uh, home is his castle. Right. And it, so in, in, in British self-defence law, you really have to retreat. If you can retreat, you should retreat. Hmm. But there comes a point at which you can defend, at which you can fight legally. So like if someone annoyed us in the street now, we couldn't just... If someone was brandishing a knife or whatever, or if someone was threatening us, we couldn't just walk over, over and smash them in the face. Hmm. We would be legally obliged to, to de-escalate and to leave and to... Yeah. 
But the 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 legal precedent of of, of claiming self defence um, works in sixteen o four, and it grows from there. And then you start to see books in which people start to talk about self defence, and that's and that's the pretext or alibi for why you should learn sword fighting, or why you should learn boxing, mm. or why you should learn wrestling, and mm. and so. But then, so that means that the state is the violence is used within the production of a practice. Mm. Um, and self-defense changes from something that you plead retrospectively to something that you plan for in the future. So you start to get self-defense experts, you start to get self-defense teachers, you start mm. to get... So I'm interested in that, and then you get a genre of, of books that emerges and you get all these institutions and this all kind of feeds into to martial arts later. But what I'm interested in is the status of the way we train in relation to violence. Like violence is a theme. Like violence often is what t sends people to martial arts classes, mm. but in that it then it becomes reoriented. It becomes something else. Mm. Like, you know, we do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and it's like what you're doing is mechanically working out how to destroy someone's body and kill them. Yeah. But we don't think about violence. No one think thinks about. about that, you don't. Do you? Th it's yeah. it's just like that was a beautiful choke. That was a perfect. You know yeah. that that would have. You'd mind. I would have been. You tap and you go. That was amazing. I would have been out in a flash. Yeah, you'd mind right. the skill of the other person. And so you? the violence is sort of there, but then it recedes from view and it has a different status. And then I'm also I also want to introduce some some different concepts. So like you know academics in one field tend to borrow from other fields, and I became very interested in the philosopher called Peter Sloterdijk, and Sloterdijk is a German philosopher who no one seems to know what to do with, but if you read his work and you're a martial artist, it's like oh yeah obviously. <laughs> it's just like it's not complicated. It's obviously correct. Yeah. So I'm I'm bringing I'm bringing his work into a lot of it. Bringing and also of back. yeah, but well, <laughs> bringing it just bringing it forward. And also there's some other theory that I want to get in there. But I'm very interested in also the notion of the the sublime. So the su sublime doesn't mean beautiful, and it doesn't mean big. It means mm. it means something that's terrifying in its magnificence. Right. Okay. It's like it's it's associated, you know, like the Romantics in in the the nineteenth century, they were like the you know they're obsessed with mountains and the Lake District, and it was huge in Germany. The, and I think that people's interest in in concepts to do with like Chinese martial arts and chi and all this power and it's connected with the sublime. Mm. A lot of Orientalism, a lot of people's fantasies about Asia are essentially like versions of nineteenth century German Romanticism. So I'm sort of bringing all this stuff together and also in the process talking about violence and the way that it never really stays violence like it's it it just stops being relevant but it's always sort of functional within mm -hmm. within our mindset and within our lives uh, and yeah there'll be some stuff on bruce lee obviously <laughs> maybe just one chapter <laughs> one chapter on bruce lee it's specifically about his sidekicks yeah. um and about the way that they translate across different like you said they're even in the latest marvel yeah. Hulk films and um, yeah, I mean it was it was just the freeze frame. It was obviously, hey, let's do a Bruce Lee sidekick. Yeah, I'll just hold the pose. <laughs> so, so yeah. that so that's the book. It's kind of like each chapter is going to be on something very different. But the animating theme is the reorientation of violence that takes place. Even if you read really hardcore self-defense violence writers like Rory Miller, mm. you read his books and and. There's always a point in the books where he talks about how amazing and beautiful this is. <laughs> like, even though he's talking about real nasty life and death, 
awful, often criminal stuff, it, it, it holds stuff in a kind of awe. Mm. It's kind of majesty to a lot of it. It's, um, it's certainly true. I mean, in jiu-jitsu, I was thinking this the other day, we all sit around having a little chat before the class started, and it was just like a, just like a group of friends, sort of, in the pub or something, having a sort yeah. of friendly little chat, and then we go and try and kill each other. Yeah. But, but nobody thinks about yeah. that as being violent yeah. at all. They're like, violence never even enters the, yeah. the conversation. No. It's I mean, so sometimes weird. you talk. Sometimes with beginners and stuff, and people who walk in and don't understand, they think that they're walking into an MMA class, and they, they they'll transgress certain rules. But my interest in in hitting, like I was for, for many several decades, it was all about hitting, always punching, kicking weapons, hit, hit, hit. And I was thinking the other day, like, uh, so a friend of mine sent me a a, a video of his, his his new home gym, and that he's got set up and lots mm. of punch bags and things. And I was like, yeah, I made all the right noises. That's amazing. <laughs> and then I was like, actually, and I've given away all my punch bags, just given them away because I, I now think it's inelegant. <laughs> I just think it's, it's inelegant. It's a and savage I, I, business. I do. I just go, I'm, I'm just so not interested. And everyone gets excited about the next UFC or a boxing match. I'm like, I, I don't care. I don't hit mm. each other all you want. Like, And also I don't feel like it's a particularly refined skill that I've... That I'm letting, like that I'm losing. It's like, but, but like you know, you lose Tai Chi quite quickly if you don't practice. Yeah. And I was also thinking, at the same time, like my interest remains, like the physicality of it. There's, I've never had a workout like Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. And also, I can still say I'm interested in this for self-defense reasons, but I, I, it's, I don't even approach it as self-defense. I just approach it as knowing what to do with someone's body if it wants to interact negatively with mine and a lot of the self-defense courses that you see in the world are just really cobbled together like a hodgepodge of different like oh, yeah. someone's done a bit of boxing someone was a bouncer someone's been in the police or the army and then they bring that to and go this is self-defense like no it's not <laughs> it's just like how to be hard like you reckon you're tough like how to not lose in a barroom brawl that's it, what it is which is, is that, not um, relevant for me is that self-defense expert that's doing all the in all the memes the well yeah i mean i've started following master wong oh. well, master wong <laughs> that's what we need to talk about come on master we wong. should have just talked this is where we should have started <laughs> i i cannot understand your obsession with master oh wong. i think he's great he's, he's not him. great no i love him <laughs> i love his attitude <laughs> But I, I can't work out, is he just taking the piss? Well, no, or, it's his brand. It but, like, he knows it. You know, at first, I think, when, when I, it's, he's produced some DVDs and stuff, and I got into him be, I, I, because I bought, and this is a long time before you could watch films and things online, before YouTube yeah. and all this, I bought uh, one of his uh, Tai Chi DVDs. So you're a long-time so, fan. So, well, I just bought it because I was like, oh, what was I think it was, I think I might still have been, like, living in, in Newcastle, so I think it might have been before I met you, before I started doing Tai Chi with you. It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, and I was like, who is this guy? He's hilarious. But I loved his attitude, but then he I, he, he kind of grows into this caricature of himself because he's, he's he also knows it's his brand. Mm. So I think that he plays to the he plays to the medium, and he plays to his toughness, which is hilarious, like Chinese Cockney, 
I love it. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. He's far, far funnier than any actual comedy on martial arts. Funnier than Master Ken. Oh, yeah. Funnier than all of that. And he's not even trying. But I, it, I'm I, sure he's a great fighter me. as well. He's great. Me. And the way he gets his students to ask those fake questions, like, <laughs> so, so Master Wong. What would you do if someone did what this? What would you do if somebody threw an elbow at you? And it's like, ah, I wow. do these nine <laughs> things. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. And it, and it's, it, 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 his answer to everything is the same. Yeah, fuck him up. Just just hit them. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Like, ba 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 bang. Yeah, and so, but what if I threw a kick? Well, I just well, go I'd, like this. Ba 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 bang. I'd smash the kick and then I'd <laughs> smash the shit out of you. Yeah. What if I'm <laughs> sitting behind you on a park bench or something? Well, I just do this. Ba ba yeah. bang. And it's the same. <laughs> but you have to kind of reenact every single version. I love it. Yeah. Do not think that's funny. <laughs> I think that's absolutely hilarious. But there's an endless amount of material because no. you can imagine what happens if I'm sitting in a lorry and somebody attacks. <laughs> well, let's go to a lorry and fight them. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> what happened if one of them's a bit taller than the other? Wow. <laughs> you need to aim slightly differently. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. And if there's a step around, you just stand on the step <laughs> and then. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> oh dear. No, I love that. I love that. I love when it when martial arts become their own caricature. They, they, they flip over into into something quite preposterous. It must be working for him. It, well, because he's not going The lazy. latest one that I saw is him. It's a meme of him standing silhouette against a, a huge, like, sublime, sublime. mountainous ah. landscape. And he's got a sword. You're like, a sword? <laughs> what, what, are you in Kill Bill? What, yeah. What's going on? Is this self-defence? Yeah. <laughs> I always just remember that thing that... Um, uh, what, um, a mutual friend, another uh, jiu-jitsu coach, who I won't mention their names, and he was talking about, like, if in a self-defence course, the mm. guy goes, so now you pull out your knife, and then you blah, blah, blah. He's like, he's going, if you've got a knife, <laughs> then you're the problem. Yes. Maybe you're the problem that people need to defend against. <laughs> you're not the solution. <laughs> oh, I love, it's just so funny. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But there is something inherently funny about martial arts, isn't there? Yes. The, the idea of, of grown men and women going to a room somewhere to practice um, moves against theoretical attacks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something just inherently funny. I mean, there's been loads of films like that. Like yeah, yeah. Um, The Art of Self-Defence uh, brings is a, to which mind. Which is a classic. Yeah, which is like... It's, there was another one called like, the, the, the Way of Hand and Foot or something. There was, it was another, it was another yeah. Taekwondo type one. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, and then uh, Napoleon Dynamite is yeah, the, and all is the cult of personalities paradigm. that get involved, like get created and master so and so. Yeah, like why would you have to call this master, man master? Sifu? And the, the the importation of of brief tokens from another culture, like little bits, like this in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is this weird hybrid of kind of American and a Brazilian uh, like yeah. Portuguese language stuff and then it's, it's and Japanese, Japanese American stuff. And We've got some, some people bow, some people say us, some people do the shaka, some people, you know, some, and you, the only reason that you, like a black belt is professor is because that's Portuguese for teacher and it's yes. like, so we're using some Japanese. Yeah, you must call, you must call me professor. <laughs> yeah. I will only be addressed as professor, but that just means coach. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't mean anything. Whereas you're an actual professor. <laughs> so, yeah, so they're telling you, call you me professor, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why don't you demand they call you professor? Because you are a professor. Well, you, well, you go through that door though, and you become You're a not, different identity. Yeah, you literally are only the color of your belt. That's why you have to wear a uniform. Which is when well, I do, I do think that it, it becomes a really, and that's the thing. It, it, 
you can learn a lot about identity by thinking about what happens in that room. Mm. So in other martial arts, you go in, you don't relinquish all your clothes. Like, you don't change them. You don't put no. on a uniform. You just train in your comfy clothes or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But there, it's all gone. Your jewellery is gone. You, you have to wear... It. I mean, Gracie Barr is notorious. You have to wear their kid. Yeah, you're wearing the you, same uniform, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you're either wearing a white one or a blue one. And, um, and they look... Not. I mean, fr from the outside, they're objectively ugly uniforms, <laughs> right? But you get into it and you stop caring and you forget. <laughs> you forget what, like, a clear-sighted person who's on the outside of this would think and you just go oh i really like your new, yeah, I like uniform. new how Adidas much did it cost one. oh it cost 150 quid oh i might get one <laughs> yeah. but my, my gi is perfectly functional <laughs> but well, i want a new one or my gi which is every time it rips i just get it sewn up yeah and like it's starting to look like a bit of a homeless person's gi yeah but that in <laughs> itself is a is a badge isn't it that's like i've yeah. been around the block a few it's, it's like having a faded black belt isn't yeah. it like i keep trying to wash my black belt <laughs> You know, but put it, just, it in with some whites yeah but it just won't fade <laughs> put it in with your white gi to make your gi look older what you want is a, a black belt that's so faded it's actually white oh that's very philosophical that, very deep Graham there's a lot of levels to that <laughs> Chris Chris Houtier um, he's one of the first 12 black belts in America he's still going still teaching stuff um, his, he's got a black belt that's so faded it's it's just like a load of strands. <laughs> you know, you could get a new it. one. Yeah, no, get, no way. No, it's it's so it's it's completely white now. Yeah, yeah. I've got. He looks totally legit. But people, are, people like iron their geese and things like that. Iron their geese. Yeah. Why? I don't, I don't know. We want, wouldn't want to have creases in it, would no, you? Well, obviously no. <laughs> <laughs> they might get scrumpled up. I tell you what, I do find annoying is people who wash their gi in a really starchy material mm. and then as soon as it just scratches across your face mm. it just cuts your nose open and you think it was it's what have you done to your gi to make it this brittle yeah. you weaponized it <laughs> yeah yeah I had it's one, better than I people not washing where, their geese yeah i had the day where i got a, a cut on my nose and it was a tiny little cut oh, i saw there. that picture <laughs> yeah and I'm my whole like i had blood like pouring into my I eyes i thought you'd been off to the hospital or something it looked like i've been beaten up didn't it yeah. I, did, I did close one eye in the photo to make it look worse ah, because the blood had gone all round the eyelid, you know, it was... But it was like, I didn't even notice it had happened until everyone stopped and looked at me and went, yeah. oh my God, Graham, what have you done? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Let me look in the mirror. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Who's bleeding on my gi? Oh, it's oh, me. It's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the main problem I've had is the, I mean... The, oh, yeah, your fat the, fingers. Fat fingers? Well, I mean, they're not fat fingers. Yeah, they, look, they look like mine it's now. The, it's the... the so my wedding ring, yeah, I, I need to get it. I need to get it made four sizes bigger. So I, after about what, nine years of jujitsu, hmm. I got my wedding ring made bigger because yeah. I thought like it'll fit now. Yeah. And now it's gone yeah. too small again. Yeah. So I only went up two sizes. I should have gone more. Yeah. This is this is someone turning up for class now. Oh, I see. I'm very likely to get interrupted now. Well, we've probably yeah, prattled on enough, haven't we? Yeah. So who's this then? This is uh, Chris. Well, blame is this Aussie Chris? This is Aussie Chris. All yeah. right, we'll blame Chris for the end of this podcast. Yeah. Good to touch you. And, yeah. Uh, Thank you very much. We'll, we'll do it again. <laughs> Good day, mate. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. A bit of casual go. racism yeah. in the Australian region. <laughs> well, he started it with some homophobia, so. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's all even, isn't it? It all works out. <laughs> Jiu-jitsu is for everyone. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about the Tai Chi Notebook podcast at www.thetaichinotebook.com. You can support us by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Tai Chi Notebook. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll tune in next time. Bye.